special presentation of Substrate Radio. Morning, Craig. Oh, that's a change. How are Look you? Look at you just turning it on. I turned it on. Look at you. Hey, welcome to any new listeners. You're listening to Sleep In Cinema with Gareth Jones, me, UAB professor of film, and Craig Saravolo, musician. Not a, not a professor. Of film. Not a professor, <laughs> but brings a wonderful balance to our discussions. And we Every week we are live here on Substrate Radio talking about film. Playing a little bit of music, cracking a few jokes, joined by guests, and uh, so yeah, welcome any new guests who are joining us as part of the podcast carnival with the big rhetorical. We had a lovely invitation. Yes, to join thank this. you so much. Um, from Charles Wood, thank you so much, Charles, and uh, everyone in that carnival is talking about misinformation in the classroom and in society. Is kind of the theme of that carnival. A celebration of misinformation. That's, that's it. And immediately, when I heard this, uh, this lovely theme, I thought of our wonderful guest. So we are joined today by Wade Kwan, who is a data analyst, a former journalist, who has covered film for multiple uh, platforms, uh, the Sidewalk Film Festival, and many other things, but uh, really I've been following his stuff online and just has an incredible perspective of data and information and how people are manipulated through that and all that. So I thought he'd be perfect for our conversation today. So welcome, Wade. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good morning, guys. It's great to have you here. And we're going to be talking about a documentary that's on HBO. It also played on CNN, and it's called... um, after truth, misinformation, and fake news, mm. and it's it's an interesting documentary. None of us had seen it before. As uh, sometimes we talk about films we've seen many times, but yeah. this is one that this we hadn't definitely. Seen. We all went in cold. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to ask our 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 information expert first to kind of give his uh, first impressions of the film. So it's an overview of how we got into this mess of misinformation, disinformation, and fake news. Uh, As Gareth already pointed out, it's an HBO-CNN production, and so it kind of hits the highlights of what were the scandals, who created them, why did people believe them, and how do we combat misinformation. Uh, As someone who studied this pretty much since the phenomenon began, uh, some of the documentary is old hat, but for most viewers, they're going to learn something new about it. Uh, I thought it did an adequate job of covering the topics. Uh, it, it's not necessarily the best. It's not necessarily the worst I've seen. But I thought this is a good primer for for, for most people. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think, it, it again, it, it, it was a very, I wouldn't say dry, but it was a very matter-of-fact representation of the, of, the, of the topic. So, I mean, I can't complain about that. I mean, I'm not going into this one looking for entertainment 
so to speak. So yeah. uh, I agree with that assessment of it. No, I, I also agree with that, although there were a couple standout part portions of it I thought maybe we could talk about sure. first. Uh, one was the whole Comet ping pong uh, and really interviewing the people affected by it. Yeah. Because it's something that, again, was in the news for a long time uh, with Pizzagate. Right. And we had heard all about it, but I think seeing the owner interviewed and his workers interviewed yeah. gave it a, an additional perspective for me of the impact uh, that we often don't... I mean, we think people are affected, but when you see people really talking about it, it hits home. Right. Uh, and then the the second thing was the whole Alabama. Oh, God. So we're here in Birmingham, Alabama, and, you know, this group funded by a super PAC that we're trying to, again... Two wrongs don't make right. No, they do not. Basically and saying, if the Republicans are doing this, conservatives are doing this, we should do this as well. And they correct. used Alabama as this experiment yeah. with Doug Jones and creating these fake accounts on social media to fight against uh, Roy Moore. <laughs> Which, again, it's like, really? Did we need to do that? <laughs> it's Roy Moore. Uh, so that, and then the third thing was... Um, that, and again, I shouldn't be surprised, but these just absolutely horrific excuses for human beings who are willing, who are so desperate for attention that they would be interviewed by this documentary. And I'm thinking of uh, uh, Matt Schultz, or what's his name? I'm sorry. Something I forgot. Adam Waltz. Oh, Adam Waltz. Yeah. Yeah. Good grief. I mean, just... And the other guy with him, yeah. that they were willing to be interviewed <laughs> and be part of this, knowing that they are not going to be presented in a positive light. I don't think they care. No, that's the they're beyond that character. Yeah, I mean, this, these are characters they just, that they're playing, and just purely saying we lie, we lie. This is right. the way it is now, and they're just beyond that, having any kind of ethics or right. you know belief in, <laughs> in, yeah, in truth. Yeah, he's Jacob. Wolf, that's yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, just uh, yeah. He's whole, notorious for yeah, that kind of... but to see it in real time of yeah. how he they were totally fine with being recorded, saying, oh, yeah, we're going to lie about this, or I see that bus, I'm going to absolutely immediately say that's a George Soros-funded Antifa bus. Right. With absolutely no... And the CNN reporter's just like, well, how do you know that? Yeah. I mean, and just the lack of complete... Yeah, yeah. and, you know, and, and again, it, it goes through... the If you, if you follow... You know what was going on in 2016. It definitely in Alabama. If you were following the Doug Jones uh, campaign, which I remember very well, um, it, it, it does through that 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 rogues gallery. I will, I, and again, I'm showing my bias by saying yeah, things no. like that. But I mean, you know, it's you're Alex uh, Jones. You know, they talk about is that his name, Alex Jones. Yes. Yeah, Alex oh. Jones. Uh, you're Jacob Walls. Any of these, you know, flim flam artists. But again, it's on the it's on the it's on the left side too, and I had no idea. But uh, but Wade, as a former journalist, a did you did you see things that you went that makes that doesn't surprise me, um, or, or, or there's some like shocking things like I cannot believe we're still doing this in 2021 or 2016 or whatever you know, well, the we cycle have to is. Live with the fact that this is maybe here to stay. But to address those three things from the movie, first of all. Whenever the radical right brings up these imaginary topics and boogeymen, mm -hmm. the fact that you and I are talking about it means they've won. Exactly. Because yes. now it's part of the conversation. Yes. And right. all you can do is refute it, refute it, refute it, refute it. But you keep echoing it, and so it keeps bringing back more resistance. It keeps bringing back more people into the conversation, and it becomes that part of that stupid echo chamber. The part about Alabama disturbed me for a completely different reason, which is that 
CNN works so hard to both sides this this argument so that <laughs> they make everybody look bad. But the reality has been that anti-vaccination, uh, anti-COVID, uh, anti-masking, uh, January 6th attack on our government, uh, climate change, all of these arguments have come from one group, the radical right. And so by both sidesing it, it kind of takes their documentary down a level mm. because they're trying so hard to make it look like everybody's doing it when the reality is, no, that's not, that's not been the case at all. And anyone who's looking at it clear-eyed can see what's going on. That's an interesting point. So do you think that they included the Doug Jones uh, super PAC, which he had nothing to do with, by the yes. way, and he definitely condemned it in the documentary. Including that in this documentary is they're trying to give a, an equal both sides are bad argument, and you're saying that that's a ridiculous statement. Yeah, I mean, you're having you're having parents right now fighting down mask rules for schools, even though COVID is on the rise. Right. But as FAIR, which is a news organization, fair and ac- fair and accuracy in reporting, uh, pointed out, if if we had a severe storm come through the area and it just knocked down the school, and then you interviewed parents and said. There's no such thing as storms. There's no such thing as clouds. We wouldn't give them the time of day yeah. in, 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 in an article or on the air. It's ridiculous to be able to have to supposedly give equal time to every side. We don't give time to racists. We don't give time to people who are anti-science. And I think that was the weakness of the documentary. Interesting. Yeah, but, that's a good point. But the other thing I wanted to point out, and this, this is very subtle. The documentary should have spent more time on this, is when we go back to Pizzagate, there is a very important point, which is that the, the, the Comet Ping Pong Pizza Place, they are pro-inclusion. They yes. support gay and lesbian causes. And they pointed out that there's a, a hideous undercurrent uh, among some of these conspiracy theories, which is that it is white supremacy driven, that inclusion scares the radical right, and so therefore we've got to attack it with anything we can in our arsenal, even this insidious and stupid rumor about uh, a child sex ring run out of a basement of a pizza par- uh, of a normal pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. No, definitely. And, and I think the other thing, again, is the scale of the lies on, on one side versus the other. Again, the, thinking about fair and balanced, and I, I do... I think they did address a little bit with that CNN reporter saying, look, they're doing this press conference. This is, again, with the, with the two guys saying that Moeller was going to ha- – they were going to reveal this woman who said that Moeller had sexually harassed her. And that the, the CNN reporter is like, I'm not even going to report on this. Yeah, I'll do some due diligence and try to dig a little bit, but I'm not going to report on this at all because that gives them energy. That gives them power within the discussion and that's what they desired i mean again that's the whole point of it is to get you to talk and talk and talk and repeat their lies so that people just hear that again we, we have such selective hearing in our world yeah. that we hear and again even we do obviously we all have our own bias and we have our own uh you know experiences that filter that what we hear and what we see but uh i think yeah, and I do. I, I agree 100%. They should have focused on certain elements a lot more and could have really dug deeper. And I think one of those that uh, we talked a little bit before is kind of the role of the Internet uh, within all of this and how – and we see this a lot, again, with, with COVID, is that it's an experiment, right? You know, that the Internet initially is, it was this, this kind of scientific experiment to see about these new ways of communicating – 
and a lot of the people who created it had a uh, very kind of wide open ambitious uh, you know almost utopian <laughs> views of what the internet could be and here we are now you know 15 20 years later with it being really active in this just miasma of fake everything <laughs> you know yeah. everything is is false what we present on social media the news that we watch is so so uh, affected by this yes. you know how do we wade through this i mean uh, <laughs> no pun intended wade but <laughs> how do we wade through this do you have any advice <laughs> well as you pointed out i mean it's this decades-long experiment on the human brain and we don't actually know the results yet we are still weighing all the evidence that's coming in but how does all of this advertising and algorithm and search and results and this constant flow of information and misinformation shape our brain because that's what we have to investigate in our children and our teenagers because they're still developing right. yes and we are seeing this this negative effect where they're spending too much time online they're spending mm -hmm. too much time in front of screens they're too much time looking at influencers and trying to gain social popularity and we know that just kind of warps our psyche, and ultimately it's very unhealthy for all of us. But we're still okay with the experiment. We still voluntarily go to these free social media sites to see what other people are doing mm -hmm. and to share what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And we're okay with the fact that the billionaires that own Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and Snapchat will allow these algorithms to, to, to radicalize people towards specific viewpoints yeah. or political agendas or ways to vote, we know it's having a, a, a debilitating effect on democracy. And, and so I, I don't know if there's a simple answer. I don't know if it's just simply throw away your phone, throw away your computer, and just live, live in the woods. Yeah. Well, the genie is literally, at, well, figuratively out of the bottle, uh, obviously. Right. And by the way, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Sleep In Cinema with Craig and Gareth, and we're talking with Wade Kwan, data analyst, former journalist, uh, and uh, we, this is what we do every week. We talk about films. We have wonderful guests. And, yeah, this week it, we're getting deep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, it's not some of our usual jovial uh, conversation. You know, I mean, a little darker here even, you know, that when you think about our – absolutely, like I, I can be fully aware – of what these social media platforms are doing, but I still enjoy certain aspects of it because it, we are so separated in many ways. And yeah. I, you know, I, the conspiracy part of my mind says like this is purposeful <laughs> that we've been separated in certain ways and that we are desperate for ways to connect. Maybe through a podcast hold or on. through a radio show. Just hold on a second. No, but like that's like how do I keep in touch like during COVID with my poor mom? Wait, do you think you know? that the COVID pandemic could possibly be manufactured? Oh to no, keep no, no, us no, no, separate? Not that. No, 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 no. Okay, sorry. Okay, if that's what you were reading out of that. No. Wait, did you not get that impression? That's actually my theory. I like credit for it, please. <laughs> no, my theory is that. You know, the big corporations and oh, all I that see. benefit more from us feeling a need to connect. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I, that's what the social media giants are feeding off of. And, of course, they make tons of money through yes. ads and all these things. And, forcing, and the corporations, of course, are fully on board because it's the subliminal advertising yes. that gets directly in our mind. And I think, oh, wow, i got to go buy that new record yeah. from Seasick because right. Seasick put up this really cool post. 
and I'm fully aware of that manipulation, <laughs> and I'm all in. Yes. Then I think, oh yeah, you know, opiate of the masses. It is. <laughs> they have the miss uh, quote in, in the film. Actually, I, what's his name? I think says it wrong. That um, opium is the uh, drug of the masses. Anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm butchering it as well. That's okay. But, but anyway, but, but your point is well made. But my point again is that we know that Wade eloquently said, you know, we are fully aware that we are participating in it. We know it's affecting us, and yet we can't stop. A lot of us. There's, I've had some good friends who just totally cut off and yeah. said goodbye social media. I'm, I'm always jealous of. And that. I again, I watch a film like this, or I talk to someone who's offline, and I think, man, I need to do that. But then I think, well, but I need to still connect with. But then I think, there's other ways to connect. We forgot. Yeah. <laughs> we used to call people on the phone. Yeah. And hear a voice. Yeah. Or, we used to walk across to our neighbor and, hey, let's have a chat and yeah. have a coffee. And we've been so trained by these systems. But it's out of convenience. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I, again, we talk about these algorithms. And, and the reason that it is a heady topic, and I only speak this, and you can speak to it. Maybe you could speak to it as well, Wade, is I have teenage daughters now. Yes. And I was talking to my daughter, Frances, who was 16. She was uh, you know, reading something recently where she said, do you know that they have statistically stated, I don't know where she got the data from, uh, that we're the most stressed out generation of teenagers. And I, of course, in my con- contrary dad way, said, whatever, you know, wh- what does that even mean? And she goes, well, let me tell you. She started reading this NPR article back to me, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember. But because of this, this FOMO, this it it whether they're doing it malignantly or if it's just human nature these social media uh companies are feeding on our worst insecurities possible yes. whether it be political fears or you know f- fear of missing out you know as the way discuss these influencers you know she's aware of it as a 16 year old kid yes. Yes. and saying we are under this invisible pressure that you didn't experience where you know if you don't get enough likes on your photo you know it can be devastating if your brain is wired that way so i i you know again wade i think you had a lot to say about, i mean i didn't want to trample on your thought on that but but does that and that kind of goes with what you were saying earlier well your daughter touches upon an important point and garrett's raised an important point which is that media literacy understanding how we're being manipulated is actually a great way to fight back because the more we understand how social media works, how advertising works, how the algor- algorithm works, we are better protected. And we are able to take measures to protect ourselves, taking breaks from social media or recognizing that it has an effect on our mental health. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the radicalization through media is, is not a new thing. It's not, it's not, it didn't just happen with when Facebook came online. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've dealt with this since the days of Rush Limbaugh and radio. We've dealt with it since the early days of television. Mass media is is wonderful at shaping mass opinion and influencing people and sometimes does it in devious and underhanded ways. And I think in talking about movies, it's the positive aspect of it because narrative trumps fact. You can have all the facts on your side, Mm. but if you present them in a dull, uninteresting fashion, where someone comes along with a shinier, brighter, more interesting story, 
that person is going to get a lot more attention, whether mm-hmm. it's through a TV show or through a podcast or through a movie or through a book. But that's wonderful because we go to the movies to lose ourselves. I don't want to sit through Infinity War thinking, okay, uh, there's a guy in a metal suit. There's, oh, big deal. He can't really fly. He can't really <laughs> shoot laser beams out of his hands. Thanos. I, I know. That's, <laughs> we go because we want to be lost in the story. Facts yes. be damned. The problem is when we allow this manipulation to carry over into all of these other areas that we have to deal with and live with on a daily basis. Like, we can't always be at the movies, but we do have to live in the real world. We do have to make political decisions. We do have to act upon what we think is best for our health and our family and our finances and so on. Oh, it's, and it's, it's, it's interesting, and this may or may I, I could be totally going in a different direction with that thought, is that what I also notice on social media is when you take the popular culture these memes that 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 just that are just a surge and right directly to our brain, you know, yes. that influences. I mean, it's just this 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 stew of 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 um, just almost deceptively influencing us. We don't even realize it. That's the scary part to me. Well, I want to respond to both of you by first saying, "Damn you, Gutenberg." <laughs> yeah, that's and a good point, you, though. And damn you, cave painting. That's a on good the wall. point. Yeah. Well, and actually, you look at memes; it's almost the same effect as a cave painting, right? It's almost to that level of simplicity. Yeah. Of delivering a story, a narrative, right, in the quickest way possible, and and film. I mean, and I'll bring a little bit of my teaching Please. in here now because obviously. You know, I, I, I teach film studies at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and I have new students and new generations constantly. I've been doing it for nearly 15 years now. So uh, even in that time frame, I have seen how students use social media and how that affects how I teach. And even this, this radio show I've tried to kind of incorporate as a way to learn and change my pedagogy. But you think about, like, social, this generation of students I have now, their whole lives has been on social media. And documented, mm-hmm. and they've been inundated with this level of, of, of you know misinformation. And then, how do I, as a teacher at a public institution, with, and we could get into all sorts of stuff there, how do I teach them what I think is important? So you know, in a film festival class that I teach, for example, where I teach students how to create their own film festival, and then they actually put on a festival, we talk a lot about marketing. You know, and, and what you have to use. And it's really been fascinating to me that I've been teaching this for five years now, or just about to start my fifth. Like, they, the, they will not use Facebook at all. They'll use Instagram, they'll use Twitter, uh, they'll use Snapchat. Um, this last year we did something on Discord. So I'm constantly having to kind of evolve in my own thinking of like, what are effective ways to get the information out to that? particular audience but they also have no idea how to get to my audience or people on campus for example faculty and staff who are of a certain age i mean facebook really is kind of the main way to connect to that audience so i have to really kind of persuade them that i know you want to go after the probably what for you is the shinier (laughs) object and quicker object right Facebook, yeah, it's a, it's a it's slightly different beast, and it's definitely for an older generation, I think, yeah. and, and then the way mani- information is is handled there. So mm-hmm. it's kind of really fascinating there. And like, I even asked them to come on this radio show to promote 
the said festival. And it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. Uh, for them, radio like this, we might as well be in 1901. Yeah. Uh, instead of 2020, <laughs> but I don't, I don't fault them for that. No, no, not all. I, that's why it changes my own approach. I have to evolve as an instructor to find effective ways of communicating to them and not have misinformation right. or misunderstanding. Well, as a former journalist, Wade, how do you how do you contend? Is you know is I, again? These are just tools, right? As you were saying, yes. Gutenberg. You know if. Let me let me reframe my question. If you had the, your drug, if you could wave a magic wand, how would you restart this and make it more um, equitable, make it more uh, fair, and 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 you know shield us from some of this awfulness that that's happened to us? That's a huge <laughs> undertaking. If I were to redo everything, uh, first of all, I'd be in charge of all the social media and, be, and shoot myself into space. Uh, That's not an option. <laughs> yeah, not for the three of us, unfortunately. <laughs> or I think, fortunately. I think the root of it is how we think about social media companies. They want to be think, thought of as social media. They don't want to be thought of as media companies. Yeah. Media companies we hold to a certain standard. Media companies we award uh, bandwidth and airwaves and so on. And uh, we let social media companies off the hook, and that's that's where they've been able to kind of say, "Oh no, it's not really our problem. We just we're, we're just the platform. We don't actually control what's on the platform." And media organizations do have control over what's there on their platform. So if we go back to the very beginning and say, "Let's regulate social media companies like we would uh, TV or radio stations," I think we might not be in as big a mess as we are in. But you know, who knows with unintended consequences how that would have played out. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think the the documentary does show, you know, some of the things that decisions that were made. I mean, and you think about the fairness doctrine, for example. And we were talking about both sides earlier. To have, but there was a, a rule that both media that was funded, uh, or not even federally funded, it still had to. You you had to provide a form for both sides, and that was gotten away with in the '80s with the Reagan administration. And that really gave birth to, you know, the right wing side of kind of, I don't want to say reporting, but really the misinformation. The Fox networks really got the, their start for that. I mean, you had MSNBC as well, but nothing compared to what the Fox network and other the Rush Limbaugh's and all of these that yeah. suddenly took over and just launched their whole campaign. And we're now in like year 40 of that. <laughs> Talking about another social experiment. I mean, that really was the, the the ramifications of that. I think we're still living. We're obviously still living through that, and 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 maybe we're going to come back around where we have to put something like that in place. And I think the the documentary does do a really good job, though, of showing how you know Zuckerberg and all these other guys. They they don't. The the problem isn't that they they purposely wanted these things to happen. The problem is they don't care. <laughs> Um, you know that they can't see the forest through the trees, right? Because they're so, you know, obviously money really does corrupt, and I think at that level, that and and also who you surround yourself with, uh, that they they aren't able, or they just or they just don't care about the ramifications of it, or they and or they talk themselves out, they rationalize that we are not as an institution responsible for this. It's so easy to blame everyone, right? Because everyone you know, is participating in it, right? And you have a choice 
to not being manipulated. But then do you? I mean, like even advertising this show, we have to use social media. Or, I mean, I guess we could put flyers up on telephone poles. <laughs> but there's an, there's an idea, Gary. Yeah. Let's try that. <laughs> Hire a plane with a banner? Yeah, maybe so. Is that the way to get solid information out? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's it is a it's it's so difficult. Yeah, I mean the cynical side of me again. I feel like with all the misinformation now with the pandemic, that the the Titanic's hit the iceberg. We are all going to go down with this ship, or that we have known for a while that the water is boiling, and but we can't. We don't have our our ladder or rocket ship to get out of the boiling water. We are gonna burn. We are gonna boil like that frog, and that that will be the end of us. If you enjoy these species. metaphors, <laughs> you're listening to Sleep and Cinema. We're here every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. live on SubstrateRadio.com. We're here to talk about film and movies, but sometimes we, today, we're tackling a a pretty heady topic. Uh, We're talking about the uh, documentary After Truth, Disinformation, and the Cost of Fake News. You can watch this on HBO Max. Um, It was was a CNN production, is that correct? Yeah, well, it originally premiered at Sundance, and then it was picked up by CNN. CNN does an interesting job of... uh, Programming through yes. I'd like to reintroduce our guest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a wonderful guest. Sure. Uh, uh, Wade Kwan, so data analyst, former journalist. Uh, I'm probably missing a few things. It sounds like you've worn a lot of hats. Uh, um, I've, haiku oh, enthusiast. Oh, haiku, yes. Haiku <laughs> enthusiast. I'm telling you, if you're not following Wade Kwan, the data guru, the wonderful posts. Keeps you, the, you did a great thing on the COVID kind of misinformation machine. <laughs> <laughs> a week or so ago and i keep looking at that that stack or that thread and yeah <laughs> do you think you change people's minds through through your you know vigilant you're, you're trying to you know fight the, you are, the canar- are you the canary or yeah oh, oh no 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 <laughs> i'm just one voice among thousands and millions in this social media world people are going to people are going to follow someone who's dancing well on tiktok long before they're going to yeah. listen to anything i have to say I, are, but have you ever have you ever guys ever looked at tiktok i have avoided it have you I, ever I'm seen a few videos but i have not actually okay because my daughters have got me i'm showing my age over. well that's okay because i am with you right there i'll tell you what i know the biden administration is using tiktok influencers to get covid <laughs> yeah oh well and the olivia rodrigo's of the world yeah um yes. and, and but that's what you have to do but i mean i've started using i'm not uh, because my daughters keep sending me these funny tiktok and i want to be in their lives and see what they're looking at obviously yes um i got sucked into it and that algorithm is evil and i am not saying that yeah i mean that's might be a little hyperbolic but it really is the way that they have distilled this 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 um uh algorithm down to just after watching it for a minute or two you can see what it does it's it's looking at how long that you're watching a video so that so it gives you more down and i will tell you that i was watching this insane it's not just funny dances and that's the danger oh, yeah. of it yeah it can i was watching a uh, some conspiratorial videos mm. so i watched it with odd curiosity and then they kept coming they kept coming because yeah. I, yeah. I was spending a lot and of time it just feeds. and it just feeds that and oh. and, and as as a dad as a dad and as an adult and as, as someone who kind of wants to look at this stuff i was horrified by it now yeah 
it's benign and then my daughters just it, it feeds them their goofy dances or cat videos or whatever but i don't know what if my 12 year old daughter yeah. is get, gets you know hooked into these conspiracy theories because she she's doing the same thing oh and God. she has as you said her brain is not developed for this so that's the scary part of it for me yeah no if i hope to god my daughter's never going to 4chan. I don't think that that's it. That's that's the that's the back alley gutter. And I want to talk about 4chan in a minute. Kind well, of, I wanna... I'm going to open up a little bit of peace tea. We, uh, ice tea. Ironically, peace we lemon. stole that from the from the. Uh, yeah, it, one of the remnants if, of. If the, someone is the missing fridge, their peach tea so. substrate team, Garris stole so it. So I'm I'm having a little peace section here. We're going to give. This is a giant drink. <laughs> So it's sweet lemon iced tea. <laughs> Wade, you couldn't see it. Wade was like, "Stop, that's, uh, that's enough." Okay, here, here's your Star Wars cup. Oh, I don't, I don't get the Leonard Cohen cup. No, but speaking of Leonard Cohen, while we sample this lovely sweet tea, um, let's listen to Leonard Cohen. Yes, now you know, everybody knows. Everybody knows. Now I, <laughs> we we were thinking about what what could be uh, a good song for to to talk about misinformation. And of course, we love Leonard Cohen. Um, this was, fe- and we, we try to get that are featured in films. Wade, uh, I won't put you on the spot. There's an eighty. Is it eighties? It was from the eighties. There's an eighties movie starring Christian Slater that the song was was uh, featured in. Do you know what song? It, what, what movie it was? I own it. So pump up the radio. Uh, pump up the volume. Pump up the oh, volume. Give that man that. a sweet tea. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows 
Because everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows the conspiracy. Everybody knows. Welcome back to Sleep in Cinema. You know, if you haven't seen Pump Up the Volume <laughs> with Christian Slater yeah. and Samantha Mathis, I, I, I don't know if it's nostalgia. Now, well, a, you own it. You just said yeah. you owned it. It's yeah. a great underdog movie. I think, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. That involves radio. Yeah. Because you got to pump up that volume. <laughs> Shut up, Gary. Speaking of pumping things up. Yeah. Let me talk about all the other great specialty shows here on Substrate Radio. So on Sunday mornings, you have Wake Up Boo with Craig Saravlo. Yes, the Craig who's next to me. Wonderful mix. Gets you in a great mood for your Sundays. And my weekends are shut. While you're eating your brunch. Yeah, I know. You're, it's, you're it's dedicated. dedicated. You are dedicated. Seriously, you are. Right. Uh, then speaking of dedication, so I, you have... Um, Pastime Paradise. I almost jumped to Tuesday there. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. <laughs> but right after Craig's show, Wake yes. Up Boo, from 1230 to 1.30, you have Pastime Paradise with mm. DJ Sways. Mm. Wonderful curated vinyl. Gets his own burrito made after him. He has his own burrito with burrito punks. 
Then on Mondays, you have the flagship show, the Jackie Lowe Show from 8 to 10. Always fun themes, Crossing the Streams with Birmingham Mountain Radio. She always has lots of fun, uh, you know, themes and ideas, lots of good Dree Lear songs. Speaking of which, they're playing tonight at, yeah, Secret, at Stages. Secret Stages. And Mike, DJ Mike Honcho at the after party. <laughs> I can't even. The one and only Jason Hamrick, Mr. Substrate, DJing at the Nick. I can't do it. Is that at 11 or 10? I, it's way past my bedtime. Past I can tell you that. Well, if it isn't past your bedtime, you should go check it out. I'm sure it's going to be delightful. Uh, so that's Jackie Lowe's show. Then on Tuesdays, the Psychic Tuesday, which I almost said earlier, with Paul Wilm, 8 to 10. Sometimes he has like in-depth, full-record listening parties. Sometimes it's local stuff. Always eclectic, always fun. Then on Thursday, what is that rumbling? Oh, Jesus. It's my stomach thinking about burrito punks and... Turbulence with Keith Goodwin from 8 to 10. Wonderful punk, post-punk, metal, post-metal. Rock your socks off. Eat a burrito from Burrito Punks. Get the Dusty Hill. Just announced today the Dusty Hill burrito with yellow hammer barbecue sauce. Corn oh, bread. Dusty Hill, the guy from ZZ Top. Yeah, we played. The I'm slowing the uptake, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Fridays, the classic hip hop show with DJ Supreme, the Encyclopedia of Hip Hop. We love his show. Then back to us Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time. Sleep in Cinema. Craig and Gareth talking about movies, having wonderful guests like Wade Kwan. And we're going to talk a little bit more now about misinformation. Speaking of, I must say, like us on Facebook. Yes, Follow please. us on Instagram and Twitter, which I know is going way against what everything we've been talking about. Yeah, today. I know. <laughs> I know. It's just embedded. Like, we can't help it. We can't help it. Like, anyway, there are definitely times sleep where in I cinema, say, BHM, yeah. look I up say, radio, I'm not, I'm not going to look at this today. Radio. I'm not going to look at they it. I gotcha. And, and we know it. Even when we stay away for a while, we do feel better. Well, you can experiment on yourself. There's also a great, well, if it, an interesting documentary. I can't remember the name of it about social media on Netflix. Have anyone seen this? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, they talk about they crack open Facebook and, and Instagram and tell it how it how it affects your pleasure centers. The yes, the uh, the uh, endorphin the rush. endorphin rush. Yes. Of, of getting that like someone likes me. Yeah, and when you and, and it's so you know it's so uh, evil. I will say yeah. uh, that if you stay away from it too long, you get your notifications on, it'll start bugging you. Hey, you yeah. didn't – this Gareth Jones just posted something. You might want to take a look at it. Like, it, it gets you. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, I just wanted to mention that. I want to mention uh, – which kind of fits into this discussion also of my, my film pedagogy is uh, Werner Herzog's Lo and Behold, which is about kind of the history of the internet. Mm. Uh, he does interview Elon Musk, which is a little bit frightening. But uh, wait a minute! So Elon Musk <laughs> and Werner Herzog, <laughs> yeah. have a conversation. Yeah. Oh my God! And of course, Werner is so famous for seeking out the ecstatic truth. It's not regular truth. Yeah, can you explain that? It's a little going bit? beyond what we. It's a universality that we can all agree on, right? That something is almost to the spiritual level, not in a religious sense, but that. We can all acknowledge this truth of aspiration that we all look at, and it can be in nature. It can be, it can be death. <laughs> you know, he he has the full spectrum of ecstatic truth in his films, but he's always looking for it. I'll give you an example that I always use with my students from Land of Silence and Darkness about uh, people who are are deaf and blind, like Helen Keller, and there was a wonderful uh, German. 
uh, advocate, and they were interviewing a, a home for people who were deaf and blind. And this is in the 1970s. And they're interviewing someone who works at that home, but behind is someone who lives there. And he just slowly walks up to a tree and just starts feeling a leaf. And Werner immediately leaves the conversation and zooms in the camera to this, to this man feeling the tree. Mm-hmm. No commentary. You can still hear the interview <laughs> with this other person. But that was him saying, this is a moment of truth that I want to capture. That's mm-hmm. ecstatic. Mm-hmm. And I connected with that as well. I mean, that's like we can all, even though we aren't there, but the t- tangible nature of touching a leaf, what mm-hmm. does that mean? Right. You know, that sort of thing. So there you go. There's my long-winded answer to that. The hand. The hand slowly evaporating in the scent of green papaya. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. I, I, I stumbled upon that. Oh. And I wanted to watch it, but it wouldn't load. Oh, no. From, the, from my server, from my Plex server. But I'm going to watch it. Nice. Can't wait. This is sort of an inside joke, Wade. Have you heard of the film The Scent of Green Papaya? Uh-uh. So it's a, a film from the Philippines, and it's very slow-paced, very... Uh, De- deliberate? Deliberate. And there is one scene in it where a character puts their hand... And of course, the Philippines very humid, <laughs> like Alabama. Probably more humid than Alabama. Puts their hand up on the, uh, on the glass, the window, mm-hmm. and then pulls it away. And you see the handprint. And the director makes the artistic aesthetic choice to just stay with that handprint until it evaporates. Well, how so long does that take? A few minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> for some people, it feels like it could be forever. <laughs> but for that director and for me, that audience member, I thought it was ecstatic. i got to say, it, it got a 100% Rotten Tomato. It's a beautiful film. Uh, i, I got to watch it. I'm going to watch it. There we go. All right. Can you think of any of examples like that? <laughs> Isn't it wonderful that you see this experience on film? And it resonates with you. And, and that's more important than any argument that someone could verbalize. Yes. But you're just picking it up to emotion. And I think that's one really important thing we got to remember is that we, we all think we're rational. We all think we make decisions based on facts alone. And that's simply not the case. We all make decisions based on emotion. Mm. There's an emotional component to argument. There's an emotional component to giving the facts. There's an emotional component to this advertising that sucks us in. And that's what we're reacting at at a primal level. We can't admit it because we all want to say, no, we're, we're better than that. No, we're, we're, we're thinking with the right side of our brain, not the left yes. side, or whichever side it's supposed to be. But the thing is, we're, we, we miss out on the fact that these, these compelling stories and arguments are emotionally crafted. And so there is a place for facts but sometimes you cannot win on facts alone. You cannot just present a factual argument and expect everyone to logically follow you to the ends of the earth. And, and I think we miss that so many times when we're talking about misinformation. Is misinformation taps into some core emotion that people are feeling, typically fear. They're afraid of someone or something, and so we're going to tap into that fear, and we're going to manipulate you so that you're going to vote for our candidate or you're going to donate to our cause or you're going to take action on the steps of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. But see how powerful and compelling that argument is when they tap into those, those, those primal emotions that we all share. Mm. Yeah, do you think that's a, that was a crescendo? 
of sorts. Oh yeah, the the uh, on January sixth yeah. of 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 all the misinformation. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, definitely the documentary that we're talking about, After Truth. You know, it was made before. It was made before. It was made before. But yeah. My goodness, it definitely was. It was. It was scary. It's how not I, necessarily a preamble, but it definitely was. Okay, we're leading up to an even bigger situation. We had. I hate to call it small scale with with Comet Ping Pong, but. It was one place, but then with the insurrection, and then now all of the disinformation or manipulation of that didn't—they were just, you know, tourists there, <laughs> you know that. But and how we're manipulated with that? You have, and I don't know that. I'm going to ask the data guy, of course. Maybe you may not have this number, but you know, it, even if you whittle it down to 30 percent of the other side who firmly believes in QAnon, who firmly believes that Trump will be back in, in August, how do you? That's a big number. A, that might be not be the right number. I don't know. You could tell me, maybe. Uh, but if it is even 10%, how do you get those people back on track? You, you may not be able to. You may just have to worry about, okay, are we seeing media reports that are presenting the facts, or are they presenting the both sides of everything mm. and allowing bad faith actors to have a voice in what is clearly an anti-democratic movement. Maybe we need to be pushing harder for, and this is an argument that FAIR made in their both sides report, is instead of political reporters, we have government reporters. Mm. Instead of taking the pulse of the Republicans and the Democrats, they talk about who is helping strengthen democracy versus who is trying to tear it down through uh, through illegal voting schemes or through voter restrictions, or through silencing the January 6th Commission. Uh, Besides arming ourselves with understanding how media manipulates us, we need to demand better of the media that we have, whether it is online, whether it is broadcast, whether it is blogs and podcasts and other things in the news ecosystem. Because, you know, as we talked about earlier, there's there's a whole media ecosystem and the radical right that chugs along and, and and continues to share this misinformation and there's nothing you can do about that part. I mean it's there and it's there to stay. Uh, but there are things that you can do to ask of more mainstream media and the sources that you look at and even if you're just a little bit skeptical asking them to do better. You know another great film and this is a fe- a wonderful film is Facing the Crowd that deals with this sort of manipulation of, and it's through radio with Andy Griffith, uh, directed by Alex Zan, and it was in the 1950s. Okay, brilliant film that again deals with misinformation and manipulation through the media. And I, I love how you keep going back to you know how film as an artistic medium is such an incredible and powerful tool. And I've got to say, you know, those who can tell that story in a compelling way are the ones who are going to win the argument. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, the Hollywood gets accused of being you know, leftist and, you know, extreme and radical. I mean, they're followed by money. <laughs> you yeah. know, money is really what guides them. But artists should, again, be using, and they, powerful artists can use the medium to really make a compelling argument by going to the heart. And really, they don't need the facts necessarily to do that, but they need to be able to convince us why this is important. And that's, uh, you know, I think Facing the Crowd is a fantastic example of that.
Other thoughts, Craig? Um, well, I do want to say, and we talked about this while the song was playing, is that, it, and Wade brought up a good point, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you said to the point of it was kind of like a primer. Because it, it does a, a, the yeoman's work of just presenting the information. And, and I think that you're right, Gareth. You did bring up the narrative that they, the thread they try to pull was the comic ping pong uh, comic, cosmic ping pong uh, owner. And again, you've got to shape these narratives to make people want to watch it, right? But you were talking about that earlier, Wade. Um, that being said, there's a great, I think, documentary, and whether or not it does a good job, but it definitely educated me. It's called Into the Storm. It's about the QAnon uh, phenomenon. It's about 4chan. It's about uh, 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 the owners of 4chan and how all of that. The, 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 there's, a, there's a lot of it. It's a, it's a series. It's like four parts. Highly, it's on HBO Max as well. There's also a documentary about Cambridge Analytica, which we don't even have time to talk about. But I, I, I would imagine you have some thoughts on Cambridge Analytica as a data analyst. Maybe not. I don't want to put you on the spot, Wade. Well, it's a gold mine if you're a marketer because you have direct insight into how millions upon millions of Facebook users behave. And so if I put on my marketing hat, I'm really excited about Cambridge Analytica because I've got a clear path to finding the segment of audience that I want and exactly the message I should put in front of them. But if I'm a typical Facebook user, which I am, I'm horrified because my data is out there and I am going to be subject to all of these ads that I ne- don't necessarily want to have in my feed. But uh, can you give us just a g- g- brief so people who don't know what Cambridge Analytica is, tell us what that is. So they're a third-party firm. Uh, Facebook grants access to third-party firms to have access to the data and to be able to work with uh, their users in terms of games and apps and so on. And Cambridge Analytica just came up with tons and tons and tons of data on their users and then sold it to outside companies legally uh, so that they could market to the Facebook audience. And, of course, some of those uh, advertisers were political in nature, so they really, really got to uh, control a segment of our democracy through simple Facebook ads. And some of them were foreign adversaries. Absolutely. Well, and that's another thing the documentary does yes. touch on is the Russian influence, the Russian influence on social media. That which is just, a fact. They, yeah, and they just use the tools that are right there. Right. Anyone can buy an yes. ad and, and create an ad and manipulate in that way. I mean, I think we've all, we all kind of joke about it, but man, the random, it seems random, right? The random ads that appear on Facebook now for us. Yeah. And I joke about it here and there, like you know. But they're listening to us. Yeah, but they absolutely are. I'm. I just did a post about the the Vinmans, the wonderful uh, twins, Alexander Vinman and their father. It was on Sunday morning last Sunday, and I was admiring the father's vest. He has this wonderful jeans <laughs> vest. Oh, I saw with, that. With I all saw that these post. Pockets, right? And I'm just waiting now. For that to pop up on Facebook. Yeah, but again, it's... It, How long will it take? Again, I think it's as innocent <laughs> as just keywords being pulled. Yeah. Well, and again, that's the easy thing for, I think, the people behind this is just to say, well, we're just using this data in this way to as a typical business. This is a business model. This is a marketing tool. There's nothing evil or nefarious about it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. As a marketing person that I was saying, it's like, well, I mean, if you've got... If you put in your terms of service, guess what? You're going to use Gmail. It's a wonderful product. We're going to be snooping on you. Yeah. So, you know, if I mention 
you know, cargo pants. I don't know why I just said cargo pants. I have no idea. <laughs> cargo pants. You were thinking about those pockets on the vest I was talking about. I must about. have been. And then I see an, a Google ad for Old Navy. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. We can put two and two together there. I'm not dumb. I mean, I know that that's what they're doing. Yeah. Like, it... Well, but then, but then I might want to go buy some cargo pants. I'm not going to wear cargo well, pants. Well, and one of the things that frightened me the most about this documentary as a father, of course, is, you know, we put up some photos of our kids here and there. Oh, yeah. But the way the owner of Cambridge Analytica's photos were manipulated in such a horrible way. Yeah. Uh, oh, Where he was goodness. accused of being a, a pedophile. Yeah. Because of the, you know, the, anyway, that's... Please watch. I would recommend. Which way would you recommend people watching this documentary? I've got to watch it myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I meant the the one that we just watched. After Truth. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I think it's a good primer. I think there are lots of good uh, documentaries that have been out there on post truth and misinformation and disinformation. Uh, watch as many as you can stand because educating yourself is an important step in fighting misinformation. Yeah. Before before we go, and then I'll, I'll we can talk about what's next week, and then we can go over. It's fine. Yeah. If, if you've got some time, wait, because mm-hmm. I want to ask you about Mike Lindell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you know about Mike oh, Lindell? Oh, yeah, of course. Talk about misinformation and completely unhinged uh, people that that have loud the loudest voices. It's scary how this guy Mike Lindell is the my pillow guy, and he's been in the news re- recently because he's offering five million dollars. To anyone, because he's going to have a symposium on this amount of information that he has, it's going to blow the lid off of the 2020 election to show that China, uh, I can't even think of, they used internet hacks to flip votes to get Biden in. And you just, you served his purpose by mentioning it. <laughs> Forget it. No. no, no, no. I mean, it is, I mean. Uh, it's in the, I mean, no, you're no, no, right. absolutely. You're so right. wait, what, what. I mean, no, now I feel like and a data analyst. When you look at what Mike Lindell has done, I mean, what are your what's your take on that? Well, I mean, again, it's cynical, but it's brilliant. As long as you keep putting the misinformation out there, and as long as people are willing to repeat it, even incredulously, Mike so, Lindell wins. Sorry, sorry. About no, that. he's a, he's a foot soldier for the Trump machine in many ways. You know? Oh, he totally is. He's the clown that's out there, but it's but, but it's, it's but, getting out there. But what do you do? You have to then talk about. I but mean, you CNN have to talk about him. I don't know what to do. What do you do? Just is it like the Simpsons say? Just don't well, look. <laughs> so there's uh, there's a great media professor on Twitter that I follow, Jay Rosen, and he always talks about how these lies get out there. And he talks about the truth sandwich, and the truth sandwich is taking this misinformation and putting it into context immediately, not in the story, but in the headline. So Mike Lindell, who is putting out falsehoods about the 2020 election, is offering a bounty for blah, blah, blah. In other words, it can't just be in the story. It has to be in the headline because people don't read the story anymore. People click on the headline. People get outraged by the moment they read the headline. And so he's saying it is so important to get it right you have to do it from the first seven words mm. in the headline that's out there. So truth sandwich means he, he puts it in context by making sure that the absolute truth is part of it. So Mike Lindell, who is promoting falsehoods about the 2020 election, is now offering a bounty for such and such. Right. Well, and I think the legal system does eventually. I mean, I wish it were quicker. I mean, Alex Jones, he's found other forms in some ways, but he did you know, have to 
pay some price. Oh, yeah. And, of course, he was shut out from the social media. He had reached that level. And you wonder if Mike Lindell, with all these lawsuits that are coming I think, from I think it's going to come and get him. Company. But you're right. But the wheels of justice time. are slowly turning. Yeah. Well, and then the, and, and look at the damage that can be done in the meantime. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the scary thing. And, again, it's this shiny thing that's distracting us from all these other things. You know, I mean, we should all be, this, you know, focusing on the pandemic making sure the right information is out there, we're doing the right thing. But instead, you know, CNN headline will be, oh, Mike Lindell (laughs) offers a bounty and doesn't use the truth sandwich, right? Well, let me just be clear. He's offering $5 million for anybody that can disprove his his, uh, data. Yeah. I just want to be clear. Why do I keep perpetuating this? I mean, any of us could do that. I know. Forget it. That's Just the stop. Whole thing. Stop. Uh, enough with Mike Lindell. It, it doesn't matter. Well, anymore. let's preview next week. How about that? Can I just really quickly? Yes. The Cambridge Analytica documentary. It's called The Great Hack. The Great Hack. It's, it's, on, it's on Netflix. You can okay. watch it right now. And I think it's really interesting and it's really important. It's from 2019, so it's before the 2000. It's, it's more about the 2016 election. Yes. But uh, we didn't learn a lesson. So. Um, so I just want to get that in there. Excellent. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, so next week we're going to be our guest is going to be the amazing local legend of culinary delights. Yeah, Tom Bagby. Tom. One third. One third of the current burrito punks also makes he's a wonderful soups. He's a he's a he's a punk rock legend. Crestwood coffee. He, he he was the bottle tree. The bottle tree chef. Yeah, I remember coming over from Georgia just to have the food that he the brunches. Are you serious? You oh, to, yeah. Just to come over to get that? Well, we'd come over and visit Kim's family, but I always made it a point on Sunday morning to go get a brunch at the Bottle Tree with Tom's Oh, it's a great... Wait, are you are you a Birmingham native? I am. Okay. And uh, so Bottle Tree was in your... I miss it, so... I miss it, too. But but, but, but you can relive some of the recipes. Absolutely. He has, he has Yellowhammer Creek. We're going to ask him all about yeah, this. But we're going to be talking about the movie Big Night. Talk about a movie that plays on your emotions, and especially you as an Italian. I know. It's true. As I mean, a, right as, to as the a, heart. A half, through the belly. Half Sicilian. Right to yeah. my stomach. Right to the stomach. Yeah. And poor, speaking of stomachs, poor Tom burned his belly. No, I'm sorry. Hopefully he'll be okay next Get week. Get well soon, Tom. But we're super excited for yeah. that. That's going to be great. He'll make it. So um, that's previous. He used to have a week. show on Substrate called Get Some. That's right. So this is going to be called next week. Sleep in and get some. Sleep, get some and sleep in. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I gave it to him on a platter. You're welcome. Like just on a platter. I know. And what did you have to do? I flipped it and made it even more funny. No, you didn't. It was not more funny. Okay. It was. <laughs> it was anyway, worse. It was worse. <laughs> Anyway, Tom Bagby is going to be with us to talk about Big Night next week. Very excited about Real that. quick, yeah. we'd love to go through things that we've been watching to get us through this pandemic, which we're all going back into quarantine <laughs> now. We're not. <laughs> Wade, what have you been watching uh, this week? Well, a little bit's old school. I'm, on, I'm still working my way through Mad Men, and I'm oh. now on season seven, the oh. final season. Is it your first watching of it Mad Men? It is my first I watch. wish I could watch it with you. I know. I love watching people watch Mad Men for the I first time. I've never seen it. Oh, I'm should. so into it. Too. I'm Isn't really it? excited that I'm starting the final season now. Uh, like a good American, I've been watching the Olympics. Good for you. Uh, every night, faithfully. Uh, I just saw a documentary on POV on PBS called Landfall about the fallout from hurricane maria on puerto rico mm. oh wow uh i also saw another pbs uh, oldie uh 
classic albums, and they were focused on Queen's A Night at the Opera. Ooh. Okay. I did not know P- PBS did classic albums. There's an entire series on classic albums, Wade. Have you seen any of the other ones? Uh, I'm about to watch the one on Fleetwood Mac, Rumors. It's amazing. There's also one on Graceland, Paul Simon's Graceland record. Fantastic. I'm very excited for you watching this, because this is one of my favorite series. Classic albums is one of my favorite series. There's one on Duran Duran's Rio that just hits me right in the right place, but I'm very excited that you got to watch. So you watched the one on Queen's Night at the Opera. That was my first one. Did you, did you enjoy it? I did. Do you like the, the way they, they do it? I'm actually about to listen to the entire album for my first time. Really? Because so, I've heard, wow. you know, you've heard the hits. Sure, of course. But did you see Bohemian Rhapsody? I did. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. I mean, I'm not a Queen historian by any means, but the the way that they recreated Live Aid was pretty incredible. Gareth, did you see Bohemian Rhapsody? I still haven't seen that. Oh, Gareth! Should I turn in my film no. aficionado? No, card? no, no. It's not like it's it's no scent of the papaya, but. <laughs> <laughs> scent of green papaya so not just any papaya <laughs> green papaya not to take away from scent of the green papaya I really didn't want to watch it so I'm going to watch right. it uh, anyway it, that's, that's fantastic awesome what, I didn't mean to cut you off there I'm oh, excited okay. about uh, classic albums I saw Black Widow in the theaters which is Ooh. probably my first and uh, possibly my last movie I'm going to see in the theater this year yeah unfortunately are you, are you an MCU fan? I am I've seen them all up to this point I have two now Gareth, we're going to have a conversation about the Marvel Universe. That's fine. Okay. I'm right there with you. Okay, I watched it, too. Okay, my good. Daughters. So They loved it. In, in, all, in, in all your amongst friends, what did you think of Black Widow? I thought it was great. I good. thought it was... I, I can't believe I had to wait this long for it. Yeah. I can't believe that there are finally two female-led Marvel movies I mean, out of 20 or 30. Uh, and, of course, both of the female-led movies are set in the past, not in the present. So I'm looking forward to when they have one in the present... Interesting take how on about that. the Eternals. Oh, I'm so excited about yeah. the Eternals. I can't tell you how excited I am. But let, can we can we briefly? I'm going to just do a preview. We've enjoyed our time so much here with Wade. Okay, that we're going to have him back on and talk about Asian representation in film. That'd be I'd great. Too. And the Eternals, I think, will be a really interesting one to talk about. Oh, in ha- to maybe that. maybe uh, we can have a, a lockdown Eternals watching. <laughs> That's how cynical oh. we are. Uh, can we real quick? Can we talk about Scarlett Johansson suing Disney? Yeah, fantastic. I, we don't I'm usually get into the we don't usually get into the nuts and bolts of Hollywood. That's not really what we talk about. But this is an interesting. I think this is kind of an interesting take. Uh, you know, well, I think you know the studios. They're look again with the greed and all that, looking for every dollar they can. And yeah, I think I, she should. I think that she was in her right. Absolutely, yeah. it, they did. They damaged her potential income. Yeah, with their yeah. estimated plan. fifty million dollars, she lost. Yeah. That's that's not that's not the no. Out. Would they have done that to Tom Cruise? Who no. cares? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need a more recent reference to Tom Cruise. Would they have done that to Buster Keaton? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Sorry. No. Anyway, I just thought that was an interesting take. But I'm glad that you liked Black Widow. I'm a big it was fan. A lot of fun. I loved watching yeah. it with my daughters. I enjoyed it. It was great. David Harbour as Red Guardian. That guy. He is... Stranger (sighs) Things 2022. It's coming. Those guys have waited way too long. I know. I agree. They're going to be like 30. They're not going to be another series because... They can't be. They'll be in their 30s. Yeah. (laughs) No, it takes a long time. Anyway, what have you been watching, sir? Well, 
Um, I last night I'm going to go. I'm just going to talk about this one. Forget everything else because it it doesn't matter. Um, I watched Val, the new yes. I Val really Kilmer see that. documentary. Huge hit at Cam. I had no idea that Val Kilmer uh, was recovering from throat cancer. Now he's 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 in remission apparently, and uh, but he 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 can't speak, and he, he speaks through a, a, a what's it called where they put the I've forgotten the term the hole for in it. your uh, tracheotomy. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about the actual electronic. Yeah. Oh, it's not like the the the, the, the mo- mechanical voice. It's yeah. just that he has a trach in his throat and he has to press it to, to talk and it's not his usual voice it's yes. beautiful in that he has a son who's probably in his early 20s who does the narration for him and he oh, sounds wow. exactly like him and this is a story and you know val kilmer if i think oh we're all about goodness. the same age uh what a career right yeah you know oh, yeah. from from top secret to top yeah top top secret real genius real genius top gun Talking about, of course, yeah. you know, but he has that an, Tom Cruise dude. <laughs> much like the uh, Kid Ninety, did anyone see Kid Ninety? Kid Ninety is a documentary about Soleil Moon Fry, and she because I think that they're all about our age. I would say. And that's when they started really documenting their success because they had camcorders. It was more accessible. It's not like, you know, now where kids have – everybody has a phone. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was – not everybody had the ability to document themselves. These young people, and they're coming up in the 90s, 80s and 90s, you know, they were, docu- they were some of the first to document their lives going through this journey of their careers, right? Val Kimber did the same thing. They whittled it down to a narrative, again, talking about documentary versus narrative. Uh, but he's he's really interesting, and it's a beautiful story. So I highly it. Wow. recommend it. I think it's on Hulu. Hulu, yeah, yeah, I think so. And by the Hulu. way, my Tom Cruise reference actually is very topical oh, because God. Top Gun. Why the new, are you, the Top why Gun are you dying on this hill? Well, no, because the new Top Gun movie has been pushed back and pushed back, and it because they want to do a theatrical release. Yeah, that's true. And I bet you it's because of his contract. Man, they, that says he's going to make a certain amount in the theater let me versus tell you. the studio making it. You know why I'm not watching so I'm that right. movie? I'm not watching that movie. I'm not watching it. The new one? Yeah, I'm not watching it. You know why? Why? They did Kelly McGillis so wrong. Is she not in it? Didn't even ask her to be in uh, it. You know why? Because she's aging appropriately. Yes. It's a shame. As opposed to what Tom is doing. <laughs> He's... His, th- his thetan level is very yes, high. The Scientology uh, strength plan. Anyway, that's I, I, I can't think of anything else I watched because that, that, that's burned in my brain. So I highly recommend watching Val, V-A-L, about Val Kilmer. You can watch that. On All right. Well, Hulu. I've got two quick films I want. I know we're way over, but I've got okay. to talk fine. about these two films, and I want to see what Wade thinks. One is, I think, one of the greatest films ever made about filmmaking, even though it's made, it's about a... Uh, a man who owns a strip joint that does musical performances. Killing of a Chinese Bookie by John Cassavetes. And it's one, it really is, If once you think of it as it's about his relationship with Hollywood, and it's all, you know, it's kind of a neo-noir. It's actually on Criterion Channel as part of the neo-noir. And he plays, you know, this as I said, this club owner who's just paid off his last, gambling debt and then he goes out to celebrate and gets in debt immediately again with these west coast mafia including the amazing seymour cassell who's brilliant in it. anyway but 
this whole thing of then he has to then they they ask him to go and kill a Chinese bookie, um, which again we. When we come back to Asian representation, this might be an issue one to bring in. But it really is a metaphor for his own experience working in the film industry. Fascinating film. Highly recommend it. Ben Gazzara, Powerhouse. Mm. But the last one I want to talk about, because again, I think just to bring us back full circle about the importance of narrative, The Green Knight, oh, right. which I saw in theaters I want to last talk to you week at yeah. <clears throat> And of course, you know, this, this ancient tale... Uh, anonymous as the author that has gone through so many different iterations and manifestations and what it represents of our own kind of psyche. I think it's a fascinating story. I think Lowry did a fin- just phenomenal job visually, just absolutely breathtaking. Lots of Welsh elements. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I know. No sheep references. Uh, I just told you I was going to keep my mouth shut. That's right. What else? I, I, but I it's a brilliant film. It's I, David Lowry. David Lowry, Ain't he, Them Body Saints, yeah. Ghost Story. Yeah. Oh, God. That's Peach what it Dragon. is. Ghost Story. I just love that yeah. movie. So, love it. Okay. That's great. That's a good. Everybody says it's amazing. Yeah. I think it's absolutely worth seeing. And it's only in theaters right now. But I think the sh- I think we're going to see the uh, window shortened, shall we say, with the way things are going. I don't know. Maybe but you never know. Maybe maybe the vaccination rate starts uh, jumping should up. Should we end on a high note? Yes. <laughs> Wade, give us some positive data that will maybe uh, make us feel good. Well, just have faith in your fellow human beings to do the right thing eventually. <laughs> well, forget that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We I do have to say, here in Alabama, we were last... We're probably still last, but it had. We've seen an uptick, right? We have seen an uptick. There has been an uptick. People who were resistant for whatever reasons. I mean, I do. I always tell say there's ten percent that you'll never convince, but we got to work on that other group. That do you think that if, if the FDA decides to finally give official approval, that might make a difference? I hope so, because then the law that's here in Alabama will be. I think I think it's going to be null and void after that because. It, you can only have FDA approved vaccines. Like you know, at schools here, you have to have certain val- exactly. vaccines to get into school. Yeah. My hope is, yeah, once it's approved, this will be the next one. And and there's a That's siren perfect. in the background. And we could not timing. have planned that better. All right. And we've had a perfect guest, Wade. It has been a real pleasure talking to you about this topic. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited for you to come back, if you if you would like to come back. I'd love to come back. Right, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You've been listening to Sleep in Cinema. We're here every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time on SubstrateRadio.com. If you can't listen live, it might be a little early for you. You can always listen at Mixcloud, M-I-X-C-L-O-U-D.com slash Substrate Radio. And you can find all the specialty shows uh, up and running there. I'll try to get this up as soon as I can, since it's a pretty special episode. Uh, but usually it's, it's uh, definitely be available by Monday. Uh, and we can also tell us more about what our partnership is this week. And it week. will be up at the podcast carnival uh, that the Big Rhetorical Podcast has put together. Uh, that will be uh, later in August. We'll do some promo on our social media. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <sighs> uh, we've been talking about... Uh, I forgot the name of the documentary. After Truth. After Truth. Uh, you can find that on HBO Max, and we highly recommend it. Wade, thank you so much. Cannot wait for you to come back. Thanks this has again. been one of the best conversations we've had in a very long time. No offense to anyone else, obviously. We've had some <laughs> great guests. Uh, but, I'm, Gareth, I'm going to give you the final word. Well, 
Let's end on a positive note. We can all watch films. The power of film is incredible. Those stories, those narratives that we all share together, the emotions that we feel. Let's talk about them like we do on our show, but find someone to talk about. Long live cinema. be doing? Well, to be quite honest, I'd rather be home listening to Substrate Radio. Would you now? Well, yes. Right, off you go. You're listening to Substrate Radio.